You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Penezic, and welcome to episode 168. And Fran, how confident are you that that's going to record everything this time? Because <laughs> we usually do my backup recording. I'm not doing it. I'm, I, I, to hit I feel it, so confident, although before it's... we hit, before, <laughs> this is the second time we've hit start because I said I was ready yeah. and then I wasn't. And then I hit start and realized even though I had split screen up, I hadn't reduced our script down enough for me to actually to read, read it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, good thing that that I say some things before <laughs> you, so you get a little bit of time to do that while I say not this. That, listen, not that we even have a script for our listeners. Like we have our questions, we have intro and outro reminders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like Tom says, episode one sixty eight. Fran has a response. Tom introduces guest. It's it's more like an outline. Yeah, but. Like I always have my first intro kind of written down so that I remember because mm-hmm. I've messed it up multiple times. And I could only see Welcome Back to the Nate. Yeah, and that was yeah. it. <laughs> I yeah. was like, go, go figure. It's pulling back the curtain, Fran. Yeah, Everyone there you wants go. to see it. How many times have we done that, that same description? <laughs> but anyway, we have a really, really special guest today. Uh, but before we get to him, there is uh, a call I usually do at the end of our episodes. But I'm going to do it at the beginning because I haven't done it at the beginning in a while. Oh, what's that? And that's asking for... Five-star reviews. Fran and I are both on our knees. We're waiting for these reviews. We need five-star reviews. We're begging. We're pleading. Um, those really go a long way, with uh, especially with Apple, in, in promoting this podcast. So and if you haven't done that, I know so many people already have, but if you haven't done that already, uh, we really appreciate it if you do that. And if you do the little write-up with it, then I give you a, a shout-out on our, our Buzz episode. And I will say this. We are being greedy a little bit. It's not like we don't get them or we're a void of reviews we just want more it's what have you yeah. what have you reviewed for me lately yeah i see just the chart and it says that we have less five star views than last time and uh like in in the oh in the, the month monthly right. metrics right. so yeah i figured i'd ask uh, up in front. that respect yeah all right we'll beg no. i'm begging I've, i don't do it that often so no I we figured. don't i don't think we're review like grubbing yeah, yeah. we're just all asking right. politely on to our guest all right uh, we have someone who I've been following on social media for a while, and I really, really like their account. And um, one of the main reasons is because they're so close to us, so I can see some of the stuff that they're talking about. So we have Andrew Comboy on today, and uh, he is the the Andrew behind the Andrew the Arborist uh, on what on TikTok, Instagram. You on anything else, Andrew? Yeah, I'm on uh, YouTube and Facebook as well. Awesome, and it's all the same, right? It's all yep, I'll, Andrew I'll underscore Andrew. the underscore arborist yep so exactly yeah yeah so, well thanks for having me on tom and fran i appreciate it i'm excited to chat with you all and yeah I'm honored to be here we're we're excited to get to know a little bit more about you like we get to see what's on social media and you know you get to hear what we do on the podcast but it's not it's not like we've ever had a chance to sit down and talk and get to know mm-hmm. each other a little bit. So we're mm-hmm. actually looking forward to that, and we're hoping our listeners enjoy that as yeah. well. And I have before we really get into the meat of the conversation, there is a question uh, I want to ask you first, and uh, that's just because when I was I was uh, looking some stuff about you earlier today, um, I found there's another Andrew the Arborist, 
And fittingly, you're based out of the Philadelphia area. He's based out of Pittsburgh. And I was wondering, well, is there like a rivalry between these? <laughs> they almost yeah, you that's... look a little similar. It's I was at first I was uh, I was fooled until I thought it was like oh it's the same guy he just shaved. And then, yeah, then, no. I uh, I recently learned about the other Andrew the Arborist as well. He has a a great website. I guess I I looked I just Googled Andrew the Arborist and that yep. was the first result. But yeah, um, no connection I guess and no rivalry or anything. Just uh, I guess the same name. But um, I, that sounds yeah, I guess. that sounds like a great podcast pitch. Andrew versus Andrew the Arborist, <laughs> not like pit you head yeah. to head, but that would be a good show. All right, we can we can talk afterwards. Yeah, we're, we, yeah. <laughs> we we're gonna build up. That, yeah, we're gonna build this up the, for. The, we could do it as a trivia. Ne- that would be a good one. Yeah. All right, who is the better arborist? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> but, He's got me beat. <laughs> but. Like I said, well, we love following your social media accounts, and I wanted to really ask you what inspired your love of nature. Um, you can just tell you're really passionate in all your videos that you really care about what you're talking about. Um, so what started that passion? Yeah, um, I, I guess it really started in, in middle school. I had a really interesting uh, middle school, I think sixth grade science teacher, and he was really the first one who taught me about um, environmental issues and how humans are negatively impacting the environment in various ways. Um, he, that was the first time I, I had learned about climate change and environmental degradation and habitat loss and things like that. And for some reason it, it really stuck with me and I became super interested in environmental issues throughout middle school and in high school as well. And I ended up majoring in environmental science in college um, and I wasn't sure really where I wanted to take it afterwards, but I, I was doing some research in molecular biology um, in undergrad as well. And I decided to go to graduate school um, for, for molecular and evolutionary biology. So not really environmentally related, but I thought I had enough interest and passion for that. So that's the route I chose. Um, but quickly into graduate school, I realized that that wasn't the path for me. Um, I I was pursuing a PhD, but I, I ended up leaving after two years um, with a master's because I yearned to be back outdoors. I, I didn't like um, the isolating uh, nature of graduate school and being a scientist and uh, things like that. So I, um, yeah, I, I wanted to get back outside and do and, and really go after my, my passion for environmental issues. And uh, I guess it was around that time um, you know, as I was getting ready to leave graduate school and, um, you know, during that time is when I started volunteering a lot with local environmental organizations like Philadelphia Parks and Rec and Fairmount Park Conservancy. And I started learning how native plants and native trees can bring so many benefits to our ecosystem and to people and how they com- they combat all of these environmental issues at once. You know, things that I'm passionate about, the like climate change and uh, the biodiversity crisis and they help reduce flooding and air pollution and all sorts of things. And it kind of just clicked for me at that point that native plants and native trees, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. And I want to help, you know, educate folks about the importance of these things. Did, Did you grow up in the Philadelphia area? Like, did you grow up here and stay here or did you migrate here? Yeah, I grew up in, um, Plymouth meeting just, uh, maybe a half hour outside the city. And uh, yeah, I've been been here my whole life. Is that Delco? 
It's a uh, Montgomery oh, County. Okay, Monco. I was yeah. gonna say, are you hiding the Delco accent? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I get that comment sometimes uh, on on my social media, like, "What what accent do you have, or where where are you from?" I don't think it's a Philly accent, but um, I say strong, like S H T. Like I had an S H in there, or strong, or uh, you know, string or something, and and people are like, "Where does that come from?" I don't really, I don't really know, but I guess it's not a Delco or affiliate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. What what do you? And of course, I'm going off topic already. But what do you love most about the different type of ecotypes in this area? Uh, the Philadelphia area, very close to New Jersey and, and Coastal Plain and Piedmont. What What is it that you love about that this area, I should say? Yeah, that's a good question. And unfortunately, you know, my, my interest and passion for plants is relatively new, I guess, within, you know, five years ago, I didn't really know much about plants or have any okay. real interest in plants. Um, so I'm still very new to this and I'm still learning a lot, but um, you know, I've, I've been to the, the pine barrens, you know, maybe twice total. And I, I went recently, maybe a month or so ago. And that was the first time that I went with any sort of appreciation for plants and trying to learn, you know, you know, learn about the plants there. But yeah, it's, it's a certainly a rich area, um, for plant diversity and ecotype diversity. And, you know, we're, we're in a good spot and, uh, you know, Philadelphia has a rich history as well with being a center for, um, you know, public gardens and the horticultural, I guess, industry, uh, in general. So we have all sorts of, for better or for worse, um, I know a lot, a lot of plants, lots of invasives started, started here in Philly or like we're ground zero for a lot of things. So it's, uh, all sorts of interesting plants. I guess I just, I'm happy to learn about any, any plant. Um, in the area. I like traveling to different regions and, and learning just the plants and the diversity around. Is there another part of the country that's a favorite of yours that you visited? Yeah, I, I haven't traveled too much, unfortunately, but my, my uncle maybe three or four years ago moved out to Palm Springs. He retired out there in California. So I've been there twice and um, really just love, it's like completely different, obviously, you know, much drier and hotter and, uh, but the diversity of plants there kind of blew my mind the first time I was there. It was like super hot. It was dry. They get rain, like, you know, very, very little throughout the year, but things still flower beautifully. It's still, um, an incredible place, I guess. Uh, the Southwest, the very little small region that I explored there. Um, I thought it was really cool. I, I have an infinity for the, uh, Pacific Northwest. There's something about that area that you just get a coloration. Like everything just seems so lush that you don't get. Like the colors seem more vibrant. And mm-hmm. for someone that's being colorblind, that would say, <laughs> like when you get there, I was like, wow, like I don't think the yellows are that yellow back home. Like it's <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. Yeah. I was, I was just curious about that. But Philadelphia definitely has a rich history. If you think of John Bartram mm-hmm. and Bartram Gardens and the Philadelphia Flower Show and and all that yeah. that great history. And, it's and you mentioned all the the public gardens uh, a little bit as well, and that's just something I'll hit on while we're we're talking about sure. it. Was what I, I forget how many are in the Philadelphia area when you go like up to just north of 
Princeton. Do they count Bowman's Hill in that as well? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. But you, like Mount Cuba Center, Longwood Gardens, Stonely. Winterthur. Uh, Winterthur. Chanticleer. Chanticleer. And uh, what's it, Morris Arboretum it counts in, mm-hmm. in that whole thing. There's a whole Ambler bunch. Ambler Arboretum all yeah. those. Yeah. And we're leaving probably two times as many as we said out. There's uh, just so many that are all right in this region. And there's people all over the world will come to this region for that. Uh, at least the people who are interested in plants, but uh, it's often overlooked by the everyday folks that that don't know that they're all here. So, totally, yeah. I I guess growing up here, and um, I take it for granted. You know, there's so many so many cool places around here, and um, I don't know if you're familiar. They have a little uh, passport book mm-hmm. now with uh, all the different places to visit. So they give you like 30 or 40 gardens and arboreta in the area to visit. Um, so you, you can stay busy visiting all of those. That's a great point. A bunch of our listeners have actually mentioned after a few of our episodes talking about Mount Cuba, they were going to make a week trip out here with Garden Friends. That's a fantastic uh, point to bring up. Mm-hmm. That you get that passport and visit as many make make the most of it. Yeah. If you're coming, oh, yeah. Besides all the great breweries and wineries and all that, mm-hmm. you can see some plants. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so now, Andrew, are you a formally trained arborist as well? Yeah, so I'm I'm an ISA certified arborist, but I don't do any uh, chainsaw work. I don't do any actual tree removal or, or I guess on a large scale, I do smaller stuff. But um, I don't do any climbing. And most of my work so far has been as a consulting arborist. Mm-hmm. Um, so most recently, I worked at the Morris Arboretum, where I was a urban forestry fellow for a year. And that that ended in in March. Um, But that just involved working with a variety of clients throughout the whole area, really. But a a lot of clients in Philadelphia um, working to preserve trees during construction or to guide restoration and replanting um, to assess tree health and structural integrity for homeowners or really just address any uh, tree related issues or tree tree questions. Um, for anyone who had them in, in the Philadelphia area. So that was a super unique opportunity to to not only learn how trees intersect with all these different uh, jobs and different things, especially in an urban area where, where space is so limited, um, but to also see how each of these different clients viewed and valued trees and nature differently. Like some construction folks just viewed trees as like, cut it down. It's in our way. Get it out of here. We're trying to put this building here, but, but um, you know, working with them over time, you can kind of see them learning the value and, and why we're protecting this tree. You know, it's a 60, 70 year old tree. It's not replaceable by planting a couple, two or three inch caliper trees. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are valuable assets to our community, especially in urban areas. So it was, it was a really interesting um, position, but I guess, yeah, I, I definitely lack experience with the, you know, when people think of an arborist, they think of um, someone who can do work on trees and use a chainsaw and stuff like that. I haven't done much of that at all. Yeah, I definitely sometimes an arborist can just be an advocate and and that's so many, so many trees and natural spaces don't have that or an educator mm-hmm. for that matter to explain why it's important. Would you say your interaction with the, the public or in, in those types of situations, would you say 
that the average person is more aware of these things than what you would expect or is it a lot more educating and teaching the value of these things? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, usually the folks who would hire us and call us out as urban forestry consultants or arboricultural consultants, I think, um, you know, are, are usually the ones who are more interested in preserving their trees in the first place. So, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, and I see this in my neighborhood all the time or my areas, people just, you know, they move into the house, they got a big tree next to the, next to their house and they're just inherently afraid of it because it's a big, you know, big oak tree. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of cut it down without calling an arborist. Um, you know, they just call a tree crew to come in and give them a couple thousand dollars to cut it down. But um, yeah, it's, it's always good. It's always good when people are, you know, will call us out and, and get a good unbiased assessment of the tree's health and structural integrity. And if there are any concerns about the tree before they move forward with removal or pruning or whatever, because if the, you know, most of the time these trees are perfectly healthy or maybe there's, you know, a little bit of deadwood in there that you can have pruned out and maybe you can cable this big branch to that big branch, but you don't have to take the whole tree down. Um, so yeah, I think we, we like trying to educate as much as we can and try to get the word out that there are, um, you know, if you have tree related issues, call an arborist and get an arborist involved. And, um, with, with public projects too, uh, especially construct related to construction, like get an arborist involved early in the process. If you want to keep the, you know, if you want to preserve these trees and allow them to grow for decades in the future, it's always a good idea to get, um, an arborist involved if you can. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he gave a training at one of our New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association meetings. Um, and they actually had, it was a joint meeting with the ISA uh, arborist in New Jersey. And, um, and he kind of had a similar sentiment and he basically said, Oh yeah, if you have that tree, you could hire a tree service and they're going to come and they can cut down branches and, and do all this stuff. But that's not always what needs to be done. And sometimes can be more damaging um, where if you bring in an arborist, they may say, oh, you need to, you're having these issues because of X, Y, or Z. You haven't mulched around the, the base the right way, or you, or you have uh, weed whacker damage or something like that. Or if you're going to take down limbs, you can't just take them down off of one side. You have to have it balanced or the, the you're actually causing more or losing structural integrity. So I never thought about it that way until uh, he kind of put it in perspective like that, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of things with trees that we kind of take for, well, I don't want to say for granted, but as normal, like with, with tree care, and it's not as simple as that, and you have a lot of trained professionals that can give that advice. Um, we should use them. So. I agree, because I, mm-hmm. I would not never have thought of half of the things you just mentioned yeah. as far as balancing out. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a really cool thing. He was like, well, yeah, if you're walking on a, a balance beam, you're holding your arms out. I'm doing this while we're talking. You're holding your arms out, and you're like, that helps you balance. It's the same thing with trees. If you were to take one arm off, you're not balanced anymore, and, like, having one arm is going to make you you fall one way or the other. So it was kind of, he was saying, you can't just take down the branches off of one side. You have to kind of take some from all over, and a lot of it's from the wind. And it's because it's not just left or your, your balance left and right and forward and backward. It's, like, every direction and well, if, if you I have remember, wind blowing, it's like a lever, and you need that something that's going to like put mm. other pressure 
in different directions. And if I'm correct, like say you have a horizontal branch coming off a tree, it actually builds more uh, like stronger wood on top to like on the the upside. I was and the I wasn't paying that good attention, friend. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh I think it's on the underside. Oh, the underside. Okay. So I think like if you were to if you were to cut a you know, cut a branch off and look at the rings. I think they would be thicker on the on, on the, the underside. Okay. To build up, yeah. There's all sorts of cool, you know. Um, I think it's like compression versus tension mm-hmm. wood and how they grow differently. I don't know too much about it, but um, yeah, it's the it, it, the heartwood wouldn't be exactly in the middle, like as you would think. It's not like you you mm-hmm. cut it open and it's in the middle. But that's mm-hmm. I didn't know which was which, but I knew that. Yeah, I'm just speaking as a. A layman. Uh, yeah. That's what that's what they call you. <laughs> I don't even know if I call me that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm second guessing. I don't know. Uh, I forget which side it's on, too. So. Well, you can make a video about it, there which is a, yeah. a good segue into like. So you had all this this your formal education and then your your career. How did the social media channels come about, and where did they pop up along your your path? Yeah, so I, I guess my my interest in video making started. In middle school as well, um, I, I used to play a lot of video games growing up in in middle school and throughout high school and even in college a little bit. And um, I started a YouTube channel back then uh, where I uploaded gaming videos. You know, I recorded myself playing video games and then I would talk over them and upload them to YouTube. And can we, uh, can I was we able- still find those? Are they still out there somewhere? Yeah, they're they're still up there. And I actually. Um, you know, I don't play as much as many video games as I used to, but I still occasionally upload um, right. video game content there. But yeah, it's it was uh, you know I built up a a decent following for for the time, and um, you know I fell in love with making videos and sharing content with people and interacting in the comments and making friends online and and stuff like that. So I guess as I started gaming less and my responsibilities, you know, increased as I, as I went through college and stuff. Um, I just shifted, um, you know, I wanted to keep making videos, but I guess I just shifted it over to, um, my current interests, which were, you know, trees and plants. And, um, you know, I think I, I first started making TikToks about, um, science education. So I guess when I was still in graduate school or, or coming close to the end, um, I started, you know, just making videos about scientific discoveries and things like that. But eventually it, it, I found my, my niche in tree and, and native plants and still, still kind of finding my, my niche as I go. But, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of followers that think you have found your niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know, sometimes you, it's, I guess with, I've heard that you want to stick to one specific thing, like make tree content only but sometimes you know I, I like to vary it and you know make some stuff about native plants in the garden and you know some about urban forestry and all sorts of different things but yeah i guess i guess it's all in the plant umbrella i yeah. guess if you only stuck to one thing i would imagine and i don't know if it feels like this to you at all and 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 i'm getting ahead and we'll go back but if if you're not getting to do all the things that interest you, I would imagine at some point it feels like a job uh, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, I got to do this one again. I'd really like to do this, but I have to do another tree video. Yeah. I think that's important as a content creator is to just make what, 
makes you excited to create, like create the videos that you want to create. And um, sometimes I, I want to, you know, I, I create stuff knowing that it, it won't do as well as maybe some other contents or, or topics, but it makes me happy. I like sharing this with, and even if it only reaches, you know, a couple people or impacts a couple people, I think it's, it's important to create the stuff that makes you happy too and, mm-hmm. and try different topics or different areas. What Was there a specific video that, that, kicked it off for you or really like started like a big change in the amount of followers or, or interaction? Yeah, I think my first video that did, that did well, I guess with the wildlife and ecological content was um, a really, a really rare goose actually ended up in Philadelphia. Um, we're not sure how it got over here, but it was uh, a tundra bean goose. It was called. And I think it, it's only been cited in the U.S., in the eastern U.S., maybe like five or ten times oh. before. But people were flying in all over the country, all over the East Coast, flying into Philly to, to see this bird. And it was right in Fairmount Park in Philly. So um, I went out and took a drive. And this was st- still during uh, COVID. So, you know, no one on the road, really. And uh, I went out and made a video of me trying to find the goose. And we found the goose and then uh, I met up with some other birders who were there looking for the goose. And they were like, yeah, this really rare West Coast hummingbird is like in this neighborhood, like 15 minutes away. So I went with them and we found uh, the hummingbird, too. So that video, I think, was the first one that I got a good amount of followers from and um, I guess started uh, started my path towards ecological and plant content. After the first video blows up, do you feel pressure? Is it like, oh, how do I how do I follow that up? Or did you not even think about that and just say, all right, on to the next next thing that I love? Yeah, um, I don't I don't think I felt too much pressure. Um, I, I think uh, it was interesting to think about what I mean, what what that why that video performed well, and if I could replicate it in the future, but. Um, it was good to see that people were, were interested and I guess it, it helped shape, um, some of the content in the future, but I don't think, um, I really felt or feel pressure after a video does well. I, I always try to learn from it and, and try to see why it did well and maybe how I can bring aspects of, of this video into future videos so that people enjoy it more or it reaches more people. Do you, do you prefer one social media over another? Like considering where you're at, is it? Do you feel like you're reaching different audiences on each one, or, or is there is there one that you prefer over another for how you can distribute your content? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't think I have a favorite platform necessarily, but I know it's certainly not Facebook. Um, <laughs> I feel like Facebook <laughs> is so hard to. Um, their user platform is so hard to like find comments and to communicate with people, which I think is like the best part of creating content is interacting with folks through messages or through comments. And I, I not sure why, but their user interface is pretty, pretty bad on there. But um, I think, yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, it's all fun to share to and easy to communicate with people. And um, yeah, I think, I think, 
my audience, my audiences differ slightly based on, I guess, the algorithm um, as the algorithm differs slightly on, on the platforms. But um, I noticed like on Facebook, I think like two thirds of my followers are, are women. Whereas like on TikTok and Instagram, I think it's closer to 50, 50. So it's, okay. it's interesting how that happens. And I'm not really sure why, but um, yeah, I, I, it's yeah. Interesting. I, I don't know that anyone knows why. It's when it comes to some of the, Tom and I talk about algorithms all the time and we just look at each other and go, I, re, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, how much time would you say when you're, when you're going to do a video and I would imagine it, 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 it varies um, that something may, you may see something, you know, right off the top of your head, but how much time would you spend? Do you think you spend on each video before it, it comes out and everyone sees it. Yeah, I think it's um, probably, it does vary. Um, I try to, I try to edit all of my videos and um, record audio separately and, uh, you know, record B-roll and throw it over top and stuff like that. But um, I I would say maybe no more than four to five hours usually per video. All right. Um, And that involves sometimes scripting, you know, writing a script and then, recording the audio and, and then usually finding clips to match up with the audio and um, things like that. But sometimes it, it takes a little longer or, or a little shorter based on, based on what, what I'm making. Yeah. That's now that's a, a pretty large time investment. Yeah. Um, where do you find the time to, to put out as much content as you do? Yeah, I, I definitely um, it's, it's been like an internal battle in my mind, I guess, if I, if I should, I I guess I prefer to edit these videos and, and like until I'm happy with them and Mm -hmm. things like that. But, um, I also want to be more consistent with more regular uploads and I can't, I can't really balance the two, uh, right now. So I'm like, sometimes maybe I need to sacrifice quality for quantity. And sometimes I'm like, well, no, I, I'm okay with, you know, putting out one video a week or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, right now I, I'm not working, um, a, a, an official job, I guess, um, trying to make the social media work full time and, you know, I'm doing some consulting on the side, but there's nothing like, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. uh, a nine to five, I guess. Yeah. So there is more time now for me to focus on trying to do this and do better videos and try to, uh, get better ideas to make this maybe, uh, into a full-time thing. But, um, during, you know, when I, when I was working, um, it definitely was harder to find, find some time, but I guess after work, I would try to, you know, do a little bit or work on the videos a little bit or write a script or think of some ideas. Um, cause it, I guess it is sort of a creative escape in some way. It's really my only one of my only creative outlets, I guess, in my yeah. life. So. My, my neurotic tendencies, I'd be afraid of running out of content. I'd be like, oh, that's like, <laughs> you know, constantly just walking around and looking like, is this content? Is this content? But that's, mm. that's my anxiety and my neurosis. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I certainly feel overwhelmed sometimes, like when I, you know, have a lot of ideas and then like even when I'm out there just, hiking or, or traveling or whatever, I'm, I'm like, Oh, that would make a good video. But then I start like 
you know, start thinking about things and I'm not <laughs> present. And, and sometimes I just want to be present and enjoy nature and not have to think about making a video about it. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've been there too. Uh, not that we have nearly the same, uh, social media success, but I'll, I'll it happened. Uh, I had that meeting in DC yeah. and I'm walking around the national mall and I'm like, I just talked about all these cherry trees and how they were dying from flooding and all this stuff. And I was like, I should make a video about this, but I am also walking around with my family and, <laughs> and there's people all over the place and I don't want to interrupt. And, uh, eventually I did. I found a quiet spot. I'm like, Melissa, give me, give me five minutes and I'm going to make this real quick. But, um, but yeah, no, it's it's it can be difficult when you're trying to think of of things so you can have regular posts, um, and you find that thing, and it's like, but I'm really I'm just trying to enjoy my Saturday. I really don't want to do this right now, but I should do it because it there becomes like a funny line that you're you're constantly walking. It seems like, yeah, totally. It's uh, you know, I enjoy content making and getting clips. Um, but there's a, there's a time where, you know, it's important to be able to turn it off. And sometimes I struggle with that. And it's even just, I would imagine it's finding your voice. Uh, you know, when you look at like someone like Kyle Leibarger, where it's a little more in your face, like he's not in your face, but it's a little more like you need to do this. There's an urgency to it. Mm -hmm. These are important. This is what it is. And it's finding your own. And that's not for everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but the content's great. And it's, I don't mean, I'm not saying anything bad about Kyle, just saying that's one example. But it's, uh, there's definitely different voices and it's, I'm sure it it takes a little bit to find your point of view that you want to express. Yeah, that's a a good example to bring up. Like with Kyle, his videos are, you know, they're so, like you said, to the point and, um, you know, he makes more regular content. I guess he doesn't do as much of the post editing, but he's gotten really good at, um, you know, just thinking of a topic, you know, almost daily he uploads sometimes mm-hmm. multiple times a day and, uh, you know, each with a, a different unique topic. It's really impressive how he, how he can do, you know, that type of content and put it out so regularly. It makes you wonder if he does shut his brain off, <laughs> yeah. you know, for some of that I stuff. Know. What's the, yeah. one of the funniest things about Kyle to me, getting to know him now a couple times and having him on here a couple times is he is just such a like, quiet guy and you would not think that from his videos at all he's like yelling about do you see this rare plant we need to save this and these people are trying to kill and he's like yelling at you on the phone and then you get him in the room and he's like he's so quiet even on our podcast he's just very like very uh uh quiet's the right word yeah. and uh it's such a but he when i've only seen it like once or twice but what I've heard is when you get him out in those things where he is really excited, he, that is who he really is. He is like yelling and and he's like super pumped about stuff. That's uh, his his yeah. business partner Jake tells me that all the time. But um, <laughs> but that's one of the things I just having you on right now is your voice here is very similar to what how you present yourself on your your videos. And um, and I've always learned a ton from them. And because there's so much uh, just good information that's in them and they are they're very succinct and to the point but they also just like get didn't yeah what am i trying to say here get in depth enough to keep you like make you want to look up more of this stuff and there's been numerous videos i've watched where i'm like wait i didn't know that and i'll look it up and i'm like how didn't i know this this seems like like i should have known it how much of that 
knowledge that you're putting out in the videos is stuff you already knew is stuff that you researched because you, you saw something cool and you're like oh i want to look more into this and then how much of that do you retain going forward yeah um i i think it's a good mix of i guess prior knowledge and i definitely do a good amount of research making sure everything is correct and consistent with i guess the the science or whatever it is um uh, before i make the video but a lot of like my previous videos that I've done well over the last year or so was, you know, work that I've done at the Morris Arboretum on the job. Um, and I was working with um, a board certified master arborist who, who has been doing this type of work for a few decades now. So like any question I had, I could just ask him and he had an answer for it. So I, I learned so much from him over the last year and he really cool, like, interesting guy just knows all these odd little facts. And, um, I would always, you know, write, write them down or, or look them up later. And I was like, Oh, well that would make, make for a cool video or, um, but yeah, it having someone like that, um, working with someone like that is, is really, was really good for, for learning. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly, you know, do a lot of, uh, research on my own or when I'm reading something that I think would be interesting, um, I can write, I'll write it down and then research it a little bit later. But I guess most of my content starts from something that I know and then research it a little further. And then um, I think most of it I, I retain later. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how, you know, the Latin names of these fungi <laughs> yeah, and stuff oh yeah. that I make. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's. You do have to watch out asking those those older guys about uh about plant questions because every once in a while they're going to try and convince you that the new england aster is from korea <laughs> and, <laughs> all right i deserve that i deserve it was purple it was purple though yeah. uh, it was what i heard it was i didn't question it i should have done my research um you mentioned a few people that have inspired you along the way like a uh, middle school teacher and and like this other arborist, is there someone you really look up to or someone that's a, an inspiration for you to continue to do what you do? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think, I mean, just seeing the work that other, uh, content creators in this environmental space are doing, I think like it, it's always ins inspirational for me to see them making a difference in their community, um, or educating folks in their area about plants in their area or, um, restoration practices. And, you know, Kyle's one of them, you know, makes such cool content and it's big, I think a big inspiration for most folks in this, in this space. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, just, just trying to be educational and, um, consistent with my content and, and yeah, I think just trying to find inspiration where, where I can. Have, have you gotten to collaborate with any other content creators? Like I just recently saw a video with Alexis Nicole with Sam Thayer, and I'm like, oh, I would love to be there right now with what, <laughs> yeah. with, with what they're doing. I know. I'm always a little jealous. I'm like, I want to be there. <laughs> um, I don't think I've – I haven't collaborated in person really okay. with um, with any other content creators in this – in the environmental space, yeah. but um, I definitely hope to in the future do some traveling maybe and – meet up with other folks and yeah 
That would be cool. We would love that. Maybe we can do a rooted discussion with content creators. Well, and that was uh, actually my original when I reached out yeah. to Andrew the first time, um, which was probably a month or two ago, maybe even longer. Sometimes I'll reach out to people and ask them, and then I'll be like, okay, they're in. Now I just got to put the rest of the team together, and it's like months <laughs> go by. That's uh, hard or, to do sometimes. Or years have gone by yeah. with some folks. But um, my original idea was, hey, let's get a, a bunch of different people who have found success talking about native plants on social media, get them together and compare success stories, what they found that works, and, uh, and see if there's common threads that come out. Um, namely for people at home who want to – they want to convince their family and their friends and their neighbors to start doing some stuff with native plants so they can kind of craft their message and, and either put it on social media or even just doing it at a, a backyard barbecue. They could kind of take some inspiration from some of these people that they are following on social media and how to do it and, um, and make something that's impactful for their own circle. And uh, But then – I was struggling to get all that to come together, and then we needed a guest. So I'm like, Andrew, why don't you come on now? Because you have some other really cool stuff coming up or going on that we want to talk about as well. Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. So, I do, yeah, I, I, oh, you before, go. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Before you go on, I just, I think that would be a, an awesome idea if you, you know, if you get that going in the future or whatever, that would be yeah. cool. awesome. Yeah. We definitely have plans to. And, uh, I, I always hate going to Kyle, uh, native plant talk too much because he's already been on what? Twice, twice, three twice, times? twice. Three, yeah. No, three times. Cause I had the, I was at the conference oh, where we talked right. to him too. That's right. You weren't on that episode for yeah. so you forgot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's some other folks that I've reached out to. That's one of the things, uh, another, I'll, I'll give credit to you, uh, Andrew, is that a lot of the folks, when you reach out to them in social media and they have that 50,000, 60,000, a hundred thousand, multiple thousands of followers, they're getting so many messages in a day that it's easy to miss some. And, um, and you're someone who I've reached out to and, uh, well, there's a lot of people I've reached out to. I've never heard anything back. You're someone I reached out to and I heard back almost immediately. And, uh, so that's, that's a lot. And I think one of the things I've seen with you is you do, you don't just post, you're also interacting with a lot of the other people in this space too. And, um, what, why do you like to do that as much as you do? Yeah, I, I think it's important to, um, encourage other content creators to keep going. I mean, at least speaking for what I feel, I, I often feel a lot of anxiety and, you know, eco anxiety about all the, you know, there's no shortage of bad news in the environmental area. So whenever I see like, you know, folks doing something good, you know, growing, growing whole lots of native plants like you guys do or restoring a little park in their area or whatever, cutting invasive vines or planting native trees, I always, really, it makes me happy to see that, you know, people across the country and the world are doing it. Um, and I also try to just give them some positive, uh, I guess, encouragement and, um, some positive words, but, um, yeah, I I think also answering messages and trying to interact with folks is what social media is all about. And, um, I think it's, it's 
probably my favorite part of social media. You know, if I, if I uploaded videos and they get millions of views, but no comments, then I don't know. I, I, I prefer lots of comments and uh, talking with people. And I try to answer as many questions as I can. And I've been able to help a lot of folks who have tree questions. They send me messages on, on um, you know, Instagram and TikTok, and just being able to help them, I think is, is cool. Help them from a distance. One of the things I appreciate, appreciate about the podcast. And I don't know if, if either of us knew we would have appreciated it as much as we do is that when we started the Facebook uh, community group, I mean, Tom and I both made friends from that. Uh, you know, we have listeners that are now friends and we have uh, former guests that are now friends that we communicate with. We just had uh, ones uh, we were able to – they were in the area and we were able to schedule and give them a tour of the nursery and just be able to spend time and, and get to know them and meet their family or uh, exchange things. It's it, it It really changes – the whole aspect of why you're doing it and how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes it a little more personal feel. It's almost like family. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm happy that we get a chance to interact with as many people as we do. And it's nice to see you interacting that way as well. I, cause I think it's important. It's not just, you're not just doing it for the followers. And I think that's how it changes, how it gets viewed a little bit. Yeah. And, and yeah. adding on to that friend is one of about the group i be remiss if I didn't say that or say this is you're seeing uh, listeners who are getting to be friends with other listeners who live yeah. states away from each other. And um, I don't know, I, I'm really, that's very impactful to me yeah. to see that that was something we had a hand in creating. So sorry to cut you off. No, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And uh, you know, you, we always hear about the negatives of social media and how it's changing, how we interact and stuff. But this is certainly a really good positive aspect. Like I have friends kind of all scattered all over the country now. And if I ever travel to those areas, I I'm certain they would be happy if I reached out and met up with them and not all from social media. Yeah. Has there, has there been a negative aspect to it for you? I know we talk, it's not very much for us, but you know, when it occurs, you know, I I'd be, I'd be lying if I said it in some way, it doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say there, there are certainly some, some downsides and it's something that I'm working on, but it's, you know, very common. It's just, uh, scrolling endlessly, you know, spending hours on your phone some days. And, um, I've been getting a little bit better at catching myself and just putting the phone down and going outside and doing something. But some days it's like, you know, I it's, I'm on there for hours and I've also noticed, um, you know, especially on TikTok, like my attention span has just gotten so bad. It's like, if I'm not interested in the first couple seconds of the video, I'm like out of there. I'm like, what's happened? What's like <laughs> happening to me? I should, uh, I should be, um, you know, and I think it's also transition or translating into like when I'm reading a book, I'm like finding myself like skipping the words mm-hmm. or like, you know, going to the next paragraph. I'm like, I need to relearn how to like slow down and calm down and just enjoy the the book and read it through. Um, and I think that's stems from TikTok and just having an endless feed of videos of just all different topics and all different emotions, like hitting you all at once. Have, have you gotten to do any public speaking for this? Like, have you been asked to, to speak in public and had a, a live audience? Um, I did speak recently at the, uh, 
Philly Botanical Club. Um, but that was just, you know, on Zoom with maybe 30 or 40 folks. But um, yeah, I haven't really spoke um, other than podcasts uh, about my my social media or um, anything like that. Yeah. Tom and I got to do one and it really was such a nice – we did one live podcast where we got to see a lot of the the uh, listeners and it was nice. We were just invited to do another one, which I'm really looking forward to. Just to, It changes the aspect. When, when you see people face it. Well, we've done one live talk too, and it was yes, weird actually yeah. having a conversation in front of people and, and yeah. making them feel a part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Interesting. Um, is there – for you in, in all of your post creation, is there one post that was like a, a darling of yours or a favorite that didn't perform as well as maybe you had hoped that you wish you had back again that you could give it another shot? Um, I don't think, I don't think there is, uh, you know, there's certainly videos that I thought would do, would perform better than, than they did. And maybe, um, you know, one of the things I try to do is, is to try and before I upload, predict how the video will do, um, and, and then assess where it, you know, how it does relative to where I thought it would, how it would perform. And then, uh, you know, sometimes if, if they underperform, I try to figure out, why maybe my intro wasn't strong enough and I didn't grab people's attention. You know, I'm thinking of my short attention span. Maybe I didn't, uh, in, in interest, mm-hmm. uh, people in the first few seconds. Um, so maybe, you know, I could, and, and that's the thing too. You can, you can always like take the video down and re-edit it or retry it and, and upload it in a new form. Um, but yeah, I think, I guess one of my favorite posts and, and it, did perform, I think, pretty well was uh, we, towards the end of my position at, at Morris Arboretum, we were hired to look at a really giant white oak um, that was near, uh, it was on someone's property and uh, it had some decay issues at the base. And we used um, a resistance drill, which is like a tiny tool that drills into the tree and measures the internal decay and the extent of the cavity in the inside. And it ultimately helps us figure out if we can retain the tree, if the tree has enough strength left to hold itself up, or if it's, you know, if it's too weak, then we have to recommend removal or, or whatever. But, um, in this video, we used the drill, which people always are interested in learning about because they never really knew tools like this exist for assessing trees. But also we showed, I showed the, the math a little bit behind it. And there's, um, there's a couple of tree research institutions that look into this stuff, um, equations for figuring out uh, loss of structural strength in a tree. Um, And so I included some of the math up on the screen, which people liked seeing and showed them how we arrived at our answer that ultimately this tree sadly had to be taken down because it was just too hollow in the middle. And then to wrap the video up, we showed... uh, what we hypothesized to be the origin of the wound that caused all this decay was that they built a parking lot about 10 feet from the base of the tree. And this is like a huge, like 60 inch white Oak. Um, and we think that, you know, cutting all those roots when they went to build that parking lot ultimately allowed decay to enter and go up the tree. Um, so it, it had all different aspects of it, it you know, and, and it ended on the importance of protecting trees in construction. And I think, I think that video touched on a lot of different topics and shows something that happens a lot 
more commonly in urban areas than we may think is, is like, you know, doing construction right near an unprotected tree and then having issues show up 10, 20 or 30 years down the line that, that leads to the tree's removal. I don't think I saw it. Now I'm writing notes so I make sure I go back and find that one. Yeah. <laughs> I need to yeah. see that one. So now the social media stuff isn't all you do. You, I, you also have a nonprofit that you started? Yeah, or- I, started, I started in 2020. Um, and that, that stemmed, I guess, from, you know, during graduate school, I was growing a bunch of native trees in little nursery pots. Um, and uh, these trees had just popped up in my backyard, like, you know, a tulip tree for my neighbors, big tulip tree or like a little maple. So I pot them up and eventually I amassed a large enough collection that I, I had to start planting them or getting rid of them. So I, you know, started asking around, ask, asking people on Facebook if they wanted a tree and started planting them around my area. And then I just kind of had an idea, like what if a couple people did this or, you know, grew up trees a little bit and planted them, you know, restored native trees in the area. And so I just went for it and and started a little group um, on Facebook called Colonial Canopy Trees. And it's, it's called that because we mainly do our planting and restoration work in the colonial school district area. So Mm -hmm. I lack creativity with the name there, but um, (laughs) we, yeah, we, we just kind of, got the ball rolling a little bit and I met someone who was doing something similar. So we teamed up and uh, we started reaching out to municipalities and, and asking, can we plant this tree in this park? And we started working and the ball just kept kind of rolling. And um, eventually now, uh, you know, three years later after we started it, we're uh, became a 501 C3 and we can take, donations from folks in the area and we do um, maybe 25 or 30 volunteer events throughout the year to engage the public and educate and uh, you know sometimes provide plants and um, it's it's been a lot more successful than I ever really thought or envisioned I I love the idea of that that's just I you know what I'm gonna have to come out and volunteer on that one I would yeah, love to be a part of that. You if you'll have us. Well, I, don't I, want, I was going to say we should probably donate some plants. <laughs> I was thinking You're the so same close. thing, yeah. Well, well we can bring the plants and then, and then yeah, help that's plant. That's the ticket. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask actually if we if we would be able to buy from you for some of our projects because we, you know, we, we could certainly, you guys have such a good collection or, you know, grow in such a diverse stock of plants. And we started originally with, with trees and I've noticed this as I've learned more, especially over the last year or two, you know, in in the Philadelphia area where I was volunteering and learning all this stuff, most of the efforts of environmental conservation groups here focus on tree planting, uh, you know, native tree planting, rebuilding the canopy um, and adding trees to urban areas. And just, it's mostly all about, tree canopy. Um, but you know, I've quickly learned that in different parts of the country, tree planting isn't always good. And, you know, you may, you know, in the Southeast where grasslands are historically more, more prevalent, you may want to cut down some trees to help restore. So we've, our mission has kind of evolved a little bit. We still mainly focus on native tree planting because our area here is still, it's so developed and built out. There's pretty much no land open space left except the ones that are preserved 
already or our parks. So we still try to focus on planting native trees and rebuilding that, but we've certainly have, um, you know, started going towards, you know, gardening or, or uh, herbaceous plants and shrubs when we can, if the deer pressure isn't too high. So we started focusing on other native plants and, and seeing their value as well. Awesome. We'll, we'll talk more about this off the air because I have a good opportunity that I think would, would work for you on that. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. excited to talk to you about that. But how can – if our listeners are in the area and they would like to get involved with the Colonial Canopy Trees, how can someone get involved or find out about volunteer opportunities? Yeah, I'd say the best way is to um, sign up for our, our mailing list on our website homepage at the bottom. And we – we usually do our events mainly in the spring and the fall, but we do some events in the winter, you know, cutting invasive vines and removing invasive plants and stuff in the winter. Um, we don't do too much during the summer right now just because it's it's super hot and a lot of our efforts are spent on watering the, the recently planted trees and making sure that they're happy and established. Luckily, we've had a, a good amount of rain this year. I'm hoping that keeps up. Um, but yeah, our, our volunteer events will be on our, our website and we, we'd love to have, we'd love to have you all out for uh, a volunteer event. Usually they last two hours or so. And, you know, we, we plant, usually plant some trees and, uh, and, or remove, remove some invasives and talk about the plants and why they're important and why this is the, the right spot for this tree. It's the right soil and moisture and, um, yeah, we, we try to provide as much education during the events as we can. And, um, we've made a, a good dent in some of the parks and air and different areas in our, in our little region. It's, I'm, I'm just thinking about, it. you have this nonprofit, you're an arborist, you, you have the, the master's degree, um, you have the social media following. How do you, how do you view yourself? Do you, do you consider yourself an educator? What is... How do you identify with all this duality? It's all in yeah. the same thing. I shouldn't say duality. It's it's all, you're involved in a lot. How mm. how do you identify? That's a a good question that I I'm not sure I I figured out myself. I'm not really sure where where I stand right now or where I you know where I want to go. Um, if I want to, you know, I think I, I want to try to make this social media. Uh, you know, start making a, a significant or, you know, just enough money to make a living wage from this. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, uh, you know, I've also thought about trying to do my nonprofit full time or getting some grants that will provide funding. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I, I do really, I guess when people ask what I do, I say I'm, a, I'm an urban forester. I do all sorts of tree things around the Philly area. And that's pretty much all I respond with. But um, yeah, I I, um, I hope to just keep just keep doing what I'm doing, and hopefully, um, you know, it'll resolve itself. The the answer may be a combination of them all, because mm-hmm. in in a in a way, they all serve each other. You know, the I'm sure having the social media pre- presence helps guide people towards a nonprofit and and help work on that. It may just be. That you're the sum of all parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's been a, a fun and interesting journey, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to continue and see where 
where it goes. You know, sometimes I guess I, I feel a little overwhelmed or uncertain or anxious about, you know, what I'm doing or, you know, if I should try to get like a regular nine to five and put these things on, on the back burner. But, um, I think it's all part of the process and I guess I'll just figure it out. I'm, I'm glad, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you're able to focus on this because of how important this aspect is because I, and Tom and I see it like from the time that we started the podcast to now, there's been a growing awareness as far as our ecosystems and, and native plants and their importance. So the work that you're doing, educating people in that manner is so helpful because if it, if it changes one mind, if it changes two minds and they change someone's mind or they plant one native plant and their friend plants one native plant, what a difference it makes. And the less – it actually warms my heart seeing how many people are in the space and all doing well. So I'd hate to see you have that take a back seat. No pressure. I'm not saying yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I totally agree. It's It's great to hear – like I hear from some of my older viewers that like – you know, in horticulture 20, 30 years ago, they said it wasn't really common to focus on native plants or you didn't have as much of an emphasis mm-hmm. on native plants as you do today. And, and I love hearing that, you know, younger folks are just older gardeners too, are just getting into native plants and um, restoring what was, what was here. It's great to hear. I, I think in my history in the industry so going back to the this late a long long history I know. friend That's no i'm not but just like in the late 80s like when i first started there were more native plants available because there were less cultivars and even though patents were a business it wasn't as big of a business back then like there were cultivars but not like they've grown exponentially in the last 30 years the amount of wow. uh cultivars out there so i remember in in the in the late 80s finding coral berry or or things that you don't you can't find today there were more native plants available because the plant palette was not as big there's there's a lot Hmm. more choices it's become a lot bigger industry for for patents on cultivars it's 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 a big industry you know tom keeps think tom keeps saying if i if i end up whacked it's either going to be the uh cultivars or honey Cultivars, honey, or uh, or the folks from Connor Pyle want you to stop talking about them. Every time. <laughs> One of the three. Yeah, but it's uh, you know, I think it's time that that focus gets put back on that and and knows you know what what it's done over the last thirty years because I'm sure that it's the damage has been exponential over the last thirty years, probably more so than the hundred years prior to that. So, um, where, where do you kind of see that heading in the future? Do you think the cultivar creation will continue to explode or do you think? I, I do because there's so much money behind it. If, if with the amount of money and income it generates, they have the money to create the narrative. Um, and I think that's what's, you know, we've often talked about, oh, that's the, the mosquito spray. That's the other one. You know, when you, how many times have you gotten a a flyer in the mailbox for, for spraying for mosquitoes or billboards or, or things like that? Cause there's, there's money there and they get to create the narrative. So it's important for people with a voice to kind of explain that maybe that narrative is driven by, by money, not necessarily what's best Mm -hmm. for the ecosystem. It may be what's, what you think might be best for you, but not necessarily what's best for everyone. And it's, 
there's just so much money behind that until people start asking the right questions or start making a difference in their purchasing. Um, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I'm sure we're making a small little dent. But we need to make a bigger dent in that. Just and and education is how you do it. You're a huge part of that, and that's why it would be a shame to see you maybe not post as often or put it on a back border. Because I'm sure, I, I'm sure that doing what you do is created opportunities for you, and who knows what other future opportunities that will present to you in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I've never thought of, you know that. I guess I didn't know that they they're so pr- much more prevalent now than they've they've ever been. At least in my in my experience now, I, you know, when I worked at Princeton, we had records going all the way back to the early 1900s. So you would see records from the 50s, and yeah, there were non-natives in there, but the natives weren't cultivars. They were just mm-hmm. you know they might be selections. You know, Princeton Elm was a selection from the 20, 1920s. So it's. Mm-hmm. There, you know, which is a, a seedling variation, but it's that's really been a business I saw really in the late '80s, early '90s, where oh, we can make a lot of money off these patents. Like if we can create a new plant and we have the patent on it, we can get X amount of money. You do the marketing, you get people to think mm-hmm. they want it. Like how many people do you think have bought knockout roses or uh, what's the hydrangea, the blue hydrangea? Endless summer. Endless summer. You, you think of I know those, but I've never planted one. But I, I know those by names just from the marketing. Mm-hmm. If, if mm-hmm. any gardening magazine you pick up, you see a picture. I've seen commercials. I've seen billboards. Yeah, and I was actually at a presentation for uh, from the folks who behind Endless Summer. Who and I always feel bad about this because I'm friends with these people. Yeah, and uh, and we have a differing viewpoint and and. I feel like think I'm more enlightened than they are, but <laughs> no, I'm all kidding aside. They're basically pitching. Uh, like endless summer hydrangeas, they're actually pitching it as like a lifestyle brand now. Yeah. It's no longer for, as like a garden brand. Hey, if you're a gardener, you would want to plant this. It's think of those those uh, trips like summer vacations, Cape Cod, and the the beautiful hydrangeas. And it's like it's part of the lifestyle is having the blue hydrangeas um, or purple hydrangeas. It's not that I want to garden with these. It's like almost as they're almost treating them. As a uh, what am I trying to say? As like a decoration themselves, like you would have the the nice car in the driveway or the the nice boat that they pulled up to the dock with. It's like, oh, if you're going to have those things, you need this too. You can't just have any plant there. You need to have this hydrangea. Was the concept behind it? And they they're saying that's the approach they're taking. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, they're they're putting it in in like um, what's it? Better Home and Garden magazine. They're putting it in outdoor or not outdoor living, um, Southern Living, and those kind of magazines pitching it as this home. is uh, something you need for your life, not for your garden. Or the Home and Garden Network. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying all intentions are evil. I, I don't think anyone set out to do this. I think you know. You look at one example I can think of is our blue hollies. Kathleen Meserve didn't set out to hybridize a blue holly because she wanted to make X amount of money off of patents. She was trying to create a better garden yes, holly yeah. that people would have better success with. Like, oh, English people love English hollies, but they're not very hardy. If I cross it with this holly, maybe it will provide a, a better product for the home gardener yeah. that really likes this plant. Yeah. Um, but then you see the amount of income that generated, and it's more than likely her 
her her offspring will never work again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but. and it's the same thing. Um, like Rutgers is is creating, and I didn't know this. I didn't even put this together just because I'm so far removed from traditional horticulture. Um, I'm also thinking as I'm as we're having this conversation. I'm so glad I'm seeing these people next week and not two weeks from now when this is going to end. They'll they'll be shaking their fist at me after uh, after I see them, not before. Oh, they're but, not um, listening. Anyway. Yeah, no, they aren't listening <laughs> to this anyway. But um, uh, and now I lost that thought. What was I saying, friend? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. It wasn't important. <laughs> I'm just saying that so people don't feel like they missed out on something profound. <laughs> what with with all the content that you've created, is there a favorite story that you remember or a favorite uh uh plant story that always sticks in your head that that you don't forget? Yeah, that you've um, learned maybe along the way. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about like a a super interesting story that has come out of my content, but I guess recently I I uploaded a video about how we got a a free street tree um, in Philadelphia. Uh, there's there are a few programs that you can request a tree um, in Philadelphia and they'll come out and plant it for you. And I made a video about that process and it was through the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. Um, and my, my wife shared that video with me, by the way, without knowing. Oh, cool. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had, I had people actually saying, Hey, do you know about this? Can, have you seen this? Yeah. I'm trying yeah, to, it, it did really well. And, uh, people were sharing it just like you mentioned. And, um, I heard, you know, I, I, I know all the folks who work at the tree on the trees team at PHS and they said they, you know, they've gotten like a whole lot of requests and there's like a wait list now. So it's really cool. Um, again, it, it shows the, the power of social media that you can make a video about this. And, um, now maybe, I don't know how many 50 or a hundred new trees are going to go in, um, all over Philadelphia from, from people who maybe applied from seeing this video. So I think, I think that's pretty cool, and and uh, I encourage them to request a native tree. So hopefully they listen and request and get more native trees in. Awesome, awesome. That's funny that your wife sent you one of his videos because my wife just did it to me the other did day. Your- did she uh, on two? I think it was just answer. I confirmed with you you were going to come on, Andrew, and she sent me a video or one of your videos. And I was like, yeah, he's coming on the podcast uh, later this week. So yeah, she was very excited by that as well. Yeah, I just thought it was you know here it is she. She, yeah, she mes- <laughs> yeah, that's the same, same she one. She messaged it to me like five days ago. Yeah, so. mine came in on Tuesday at ten eleven a.m. So. <laughs> Thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, recently, like I, I've been uploading uh, my videos to tick or to um, Facebook and YouTube, and they haven't. You know, if they've done well on Instagram and TikTok, they started. Um, they didn't really do as well on, on YouTube mm-hmm. or Facebook for whatever reason, but recently they, they started doing really well. So a lot of the older videos um, that I uploaded like a year and a half ago, I'm re-uploading to YouTube and Facebook mm-hmm. and they're getting views, which is good. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. well, I remember Kyle Leibarger saying it when TikTok took off for him, he's like, it wasn't like I just started doing it. Like I, he was, I'd been doing that on Facebook for years. Just no one cared. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah. but TikTok tended to be the outlet that that made people care. So Yeah, it's interesting. So one question I do want to ask is uh is for people who like I mentioned before, they want to convince their friends or their 
their social media network to get more native plants. What are some tips to say they wanted to make a video? What would be some tips you'd have for them to make like a good convincing video? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is consistency. If if you want to build a following or you want to build a, a little channel doing this, I think being consistent is most important. Um, and this is something I've, I think I've always struggled with even when I did uh, gaming videos is trying to find like a, a schedule to stick to and, and being able to upload, you know, one video a week or two videos a week or, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll stick to it for a, a good amount of time and then I'll just, uh, you know, not upload for two weeks or something. But it's good to be consistent um, because then people will see your name regularly um, in their feed and they'll ex- come to expect content from you. Um, and I guess, you know, just as I mentioned earlier, I think like a hook and a good hook in the beginning of the video is, is super important for catching people's attention and keeping their attention um, on the video. But I think just the best way to learn is just creating content and just kind of figuring it out as you go. Um, you'll learn more about how the algorithm works as you, the more you create and you, you can take like TikTok has um, TikTok university and they have all sorts of classes that you can take to learn how to maybe get more tr- traction on your videos and things like that. But I think the best teacher is just trying it yourself and creating and um, learning what works and what doesn't work and, and maybe just building building it from there as you go. But if you, if you're interested, if you have a passion for are interested in native plants, whether it's growing them or restoring them or just walking, you know, hiking and pointing them out and teaching folks about them. Um, I, I definitely encourage anyone and everyone to give it a try. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right. Or if they want to take the shortcut, you can just, they can just repost your videos and share them. That's probably an easier way to do it as well. So, I like that. I like yeah. that. So we we always end. I'm just well, looking at time. Did I do you have, have one, one extra right, question. Then go ahead. And go ahead. it's really I'm asking this question for Santino, who's a who, oh, former guest yes. from from Bowman's Hill, because I know this has been burning him up the all episode now. Uh, as he listened, probably at like six in the morning, he wakes up at some oh, crazy hour, yeah. yeah, and gets a run in. He's probably really interested when you're making your gaming videos what game were you playing yeah so this was interesting i guess um so are you both aware of call of duty or familiar with oh yeah yeah i'm horrible at it (laughs) so it was call of duty but what made my channel unique was that i was uploading it on nintendo consoles which was oh okay almost unheard of because most of the most of the folks uploading Call of Duty were playing Xbox and PlayStation and PC, and nobody played Call of Duty on the Wii because it was, you know, the, the Wii wasn't a high definition console. It didn't have good, you know, crazy processing power. So the Call of Duty versions for the Wii were always super dumbed down, and the graphics looked like, you know, a calculator graphics or whatever. But um, People, I guess that was what made my channel unique is that people who did play on, on the Wii, when they searched Call of Duty Wii, my, my channel was like the first one to come up. So, uh, yeah, I mostly uploaded Call of Duty on Nintendo consoles. And then um, eventually Nintendo, or they stopped making Call of Duty for Nintendo because it just didn't sell well. Um, and that's kind of when my, my channel, 
that's the downside of relying on one, (laughs) one very tight niche. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I uploaded. That's awesome. When I would play call of duty with my kids, I would have to turn off all the external, uh, chat because I would just be getting laughed at the whole time. I was like, (laughs) I'm like, I don't have to listen to this. (laughs) People are, people are brutal. Yeah. Or would you say that the, the, People who would watch your Call of Duty videos or you played Call of Duty with were more brutal than your your native plant followers. Good oh, question. Um, I mean, so sorry. Could you read? I didn't hear you. I was going to say, do you think the people who you would play Call of Duty with and and that chat or watch your Call of Duty videos in uh, the comments there are they more brutal than the ones that are, uh, are commenting on your native plant videos? Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> the native plant videos can get a little testy too sometimes. So yeah, it's it's kind of crazy and surprising sometimes how how much negativity you can get from like such a a good intention video. But um, yeah, I've I've certainly got a lot of you know it's been mostly positive across the board, and it's you know people people are generally really nice to each other on on TikTok. Um, I find at least in the comments they're they're really, really nice and supportive. Mm-hmm. Instagram is pretty close to TikTok for that, but you'll get some, you'll get some haters. And then, uh, Facebook is just like a nightmare. I don't even bother reading Facebook <laughs> comments. Cause it's like, yeah. <laughs> you get all oh, sorts wait. of people like, Oh, I know better. You know, they did decades of research on this topic, but they're wrong. I dug up a tree once and this is actually how the roots look. I know better. Like, you get all sorts of experts on Facebook. I, I don't think I talked to Tom about this. I think it was on – was it on Facebook that someone commented on your one video about Ilex Verticillata? That was like – Oh, oh I this is, see that one. They were like, yeah. oh, this is obvious. Thank you. I learned nothing. You wasted my time. I was like, wow. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I, I was like, wow. That's yeah. – that's brutal, and it wasn't yeah. obvious. Like they just, it was, Basically, it was the, unnecessary. Yeah. The the video I made was um was especially with seed grown plants. If they're uh, if you have male and female plants, people always want the females because they tend to have more uh, showy flowers or uh, berries or that kind of stuff. So it was Ilex fritillata, which is winterberry holly, and when you grow them from seed. You don't know if it's male or female really until it gets berries or starts producing flowers. At least that's how I'd tell. But uh, so if you don't want to wait for the berries, you can tell from the flowers because the flowers almost look identical in the beginning. And then just as time goes on, I guess after the pollinated, the the green center and the females would start getting a little bigger. And that's basically because the ovary and it becomes the berry. And um, yeah, I guess that I didn't even see that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Go back and look. All right. Or it's don't, you know what? Un- yeah. yeah, let it go. It's like <laughs> so unnecessary. And yeah. I'm just like, why did you even bother yeah. commenting that? Like uh, some some comments I get a lot are like, uh, you know, on the, the consulting jobs are like, this is such a waste of taxpayer dollars or, you know, even though there was no taxpayer dollars spent on hiring us, like, or, uh, you know, when we use the resistance drill to probe the decay on the inside they're like well i i could have told you that tree's bad just by looking at it like no you can't you can't see through the tree you can't like see how big the hollow is inside but yeah there's lots of experts out there who always know better yeah yeah you just have to i i've 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 gained a thick skin i should say or at least i think i do maybe not tom hears me complain all the time all the time yeah (laughs) i've gotten better at at who i complain to (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're on social media, you have to learn learn how to deal with ignoring or 
uh, fighting back or, you know, just having fun with the with the trolls. A little I, bit. I agree. I agree. All right. I think we're looking at time. I think we're at the point where it's it's our last question. It's always the same question. It's very simple but very complex at the same time, and that is what is your favorite native plant? Yeah, I, I think I have to go with uh, my favorite tree, which is uh, the white oak, Quercus alba. And I just think, you know, in my area, you can't beat a mature, big, widespreading white oak. Um, you know, in terms of wildlife value, it's at the top of the list. It's beautiful. And uh, I just, you know, I love all the different galls you can find on the leaves. And um, I think, yeah, there's no, there's no better plant in my opinion, in, in, in this area. It's a great choice. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, it made, uh, you know, for all the things you know about it there. So my property backs up to a natural area and there's only one white oak in that natural area. It's, it's wooded, but the amount of birds that frequent that because of the Lepidoptera for like when it's nesting time is unbelievable. The activity on that tree compared to all the other trees in the area. And it just makes you go, Oh yeah, I knew that, but you know, I'm seeing it. Like it's, it's connecting a little bit more. Yeah. Right. That's, that's powerful. And, um, I'll just tell a quick story real quick. I, I gathered about a year and a half ago, not this spring, but the last or the fall before I I gathered, uh, white Oak acorns from a local, you know, a tree in a wild area near me. And I'm growing two in my backyard from acorn. And the thing is like, they're probably maybe, I don't know, 15 inches tall now, but there is a little on one of the leaves. There's a, a gall already, so it's you know it's already supporting a little bit of, of wildlife. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome! That's what I love to hear. So after uh, after the last question, we always kind of end the same way, and we do a final thought. And this is something that Tom and I will participate in as well. So uh, for a final thought, we hand the floor over to you, and you can use the the time however you want. If you want to summarize, promote something. Uh, mention something that that we didn't mention. This is the time to do it, and we hand it over to you. Yeah, well, well, thank you for having me on. It was fun to chat with you all, and uh, yeah, I think we talked about a, a good number of topics. And what sticks in my mind is uh, the power of social media can bring in terms of changing uh, people's planting habits or encouraging um, encouraging them to plant native and to do better in their own landscapes. I think that's pretty awesome and, and powerful. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Thank you guys for, for having me on. Oh, any, anytime. Thank you for coming on. Tom, do you want to go? You want yeah. me to come? Yeah. I think it's just, uh, important to want one. This is, we have so many great, uh, native plant social media resources now where you go back just a handful of years. There really wasn't as far as I know, there wasn't yeah. a lot out there, and now it's or like, maybe they were they just weren't as popular. Yeah, there's just so many, and it's um it's really really nice to see that. Uh, like I said, I'm getting a message from uh, my wife is saying, "Oh, I saw this," and I have other people in my lives who are, uh, on, even on the periphery of my life, who are coming to me saying, "Hey, I saw this," and this kind of sounds like what you do, or even they're just sharing it. It's a, a friend from high school I haven't seen in 10 years and they're sharing something from from you or Kyle Leibarger and I'm seeing this and being like wow people are getting this outside of the the sphere of of uh, native plant nerds like like we are so um, it's just really important one to see that and then two get out and, and volunteer in your local areas uh, this summer this fall 
it's a great opportunity to get out and bond with other people who are passionate about what you're passionate about and give back a little bit to your community or a community that you're you're fond of. So, uh, yeah. Tom, mine is very similar to yours. It's it's nice to see the importance of of passionate, positive voices for what we do um, and the amount of people that are taking notice. And every time you get another follower, it's a win for for everyone because of the message that you're spreading. I can't thank you enough for what you do, and it's uh, for all of you that that if you don't follow Andrew, follow him. If if you follow him, take that information. Don't just store it. Apply it. Go out in the nature. Volunteer. Make a difference. Plant something at your property. Tell a friend. Whatever you can do to make that circle larger because the, the larger the circle gets, the, the better the work can be. So I, I appreciate it. Andrew, thank you so much. I mean, that's this has been wonderful. I appreciate all the time that he's taken, and and for all the content that you do. If we yeah. haven't thanked you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, keep thank it up. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. Right. No problem. Well, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to Andrew the Arborist. For more information, you can visit uh, their nonprofit website, which is colonialcanopytrees.wordpress.com, uh, and then all of the socials are uh, at Andrew the Arborist or at Andrew underscore the underscore arborist uh thank you everyone not, for listening to yeah, not those other imposters yeah not the one from the pittsburgh it's, <laughs> it's, i'm sure he's a nice guy too yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll reach out to him at some point. for oh that's the next native plant trivia yeah yeah <laughs> there it's, you go i wonder if maybe he's um uh like how elvis has the impersonators maybe uh, he's a an Andrew Conboy impersonator <laughs> and just in the Pittsburgh area. <laughs> so uh, watch him be a listener. Uh, that would be so I guess fun. we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, That'd be cool. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pollen's Nursery. Thank you to the egocentric plastic men for contributing our intro music and Dave Bennett and uh, his Native Plant Anthem for our outro music. Make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume music. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at Pineland Nursery. Facebook at Pinelands Nursery and Jay, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or at Pinelands Nursery, and also YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget about the question and comment line. We've had a, a few calls in just in the last week. You can call us at 215 346 6189. I will repeat that 215 346 6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. We'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And uh, thank you to all the new members of the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group that just keeps growing exponentially at this point. We appreciate all the all the new faces and voices. Yeah, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch uh, at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. I still think I said four W's there, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a link at the top. takes you to our Teespring store, and, uh, and we have all kinds of designs up there uh, that can show off your, you know, in a fashionable sense, uh, your love for native plants and, and the environment. So, uh, and we don't keep any of that money. It's uh, it all goes to the people who make the t-shirts. One, and then we could keep a little bit, but we choose not to. We go and give it to organizations that we think are doing a really, really good job with native plants. And uh, as we said on our last buzz, which would have been one, two, three, three weeks ago, something like that, and yeah. in that realm, um, the. We are coming up on our next donation amount, so we're at a, a lump sum that we feel is is good enough to give out to somebody. So that's going to be coming up on our next buzz episode, we're which will be that, yeah. two weeks from now. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. I think two, three weeks. I yeah. don't know. And like I said in the beginning, uh, do us a favor. 
uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, if you can uh, comment or not comment, if you can subscribe and um, and also leave a five star view, that goes a long, long way into promoting our message and getting more people hearing our two uh, average voices talking about native plants. With that. Thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Andrew, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, Coming up next week, we have another best of episode, which should be Claudia West and Benjamin Vogt. You you guys thought we already went on vacation, but we're on vacation now. (laughs) I think, Fran, you just got back and I just left. Yeah, I was going to say, I think think we're passing passing in the night right now. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. And until then, keep it native. Listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.